2: Hello, and welcome to Paranormal Pets at PetLifeRadio.com. Uh, My name is Brandi Stark, and I'm your hostess this week. Dusty Rainbolt and I will be co hostessing the show. I'm very excited for this opportunity, and I thank her very, very much for thinking of me. Dusty is going to do a lot of the segments on cats and uh, special segments. I've been looking around in the paranormal community, and uh, I have found a few new ideas. This week, I'm very excited uh, because our guest is Lori Champion of Pinellas Pasco Paranormal. And she is just a fantastic woman who has been dealing with both paranormal investigation, which is also a specialty of mine as a ghost hunter, and also cryptozoology, which is something I personally have always had an interest in but have never fully investigated. So she is a multi talented woman and uh, just a fantastic source of knowledge. So for my first week, I'm very excited to have her on. We're going to uh, go ahead and do a brief commercial, and when we get back, we're going to introduce Miss Champion.
1: Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away.
0: Hey, ready to take a walk? <laughs> Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to Lend a Paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet related. Whisker Walk. 2009 a fun day for everyone for more information log on to whiskerwalk.org thinking about buying a monkey how about a ferret or a skunk then check out the show that will answer the burning questions where do you get them what do you feed them how do you take care of them and most of all what were you thinking with exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host,
2: Welcome back, and uh, my name again is Brandi Stark, and this is Paranormal Pets at PetLifeRadio.com. I am very excited this week to introduce Lori Champion, the director of Pinellas Pasco Paranormal. Good morning, Lori. How are you doing? How are you? Oh, we're doing. I am just so thrilled that you're here with us today, and I'm just delighted that you are my first guest. I can't tell you how excited I am. so am I. (laughs) That's great. Well, I know that uh, you actually have, uh, we're actually doing two interviews with you. And the first one uh, for today is on uh, cryptozoology. And uh, that's something that I've studied on and off in the past. And I know that you have studied it quite a bit. I know that uh, in your your past, you're from New Jersey, and uh, that you actually are interested and involved in hostile haunts because, as a child, you had that experience. But I know that you got involved in cryptozoology, and I'm I'm rather curious to know uh, first of all what is cryptozoology, and then how did you get into it?
3: That that's actually very funny. That's a funny story. A crypto creature, or cryptozoology, is a creature that is previously unknown, uh, whose existence has not been proven yet. Usually, it's been cited and talked about by many people in different regions, sometimes for years, sometimes for centuries. The Bigfoot is a crypto. The lake monsters around the world are cryptos, as is the Chupacabra. There are quite a few of them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What's really funny is I am from New Jersey, okay? And in New Jersey, when I was a kid, we're going back a long time ago, uh, there wasn't really much. You didn't hear much about Bigfoot. Everybody was concerned with the Jersey Devil, which to this day, I really still have trouble buying into so Bigfoot was not really a part of my world. I was a ghost person. You know, that that was my interest. That's why I spent a lot of my time investigating and studying. So Bigfoot was kind of even almost un, unknown to me until I moved to Florida. And when I moved to Florida, of course, being, you know, with my luck, I moved to this one area where there was something very strange going on. And, you know, I, I I'd experienced a few things, I'd heard things, i would seen things. So I started talking to some of the people in the neighborhood. And what was funny was my daughter, who was very small at the time, she woke me up. We'd only been living here for a week. And she woke me up and she said, Mommy, she was all hysterical. I said, What's wrong? She said, There's a gorilla in my window. And I laughed. You know, I said, Okay, you know, it was a bad dream. Everything's good. Go back to sleep. Well, she met a little girl the next day. And she wanted to go play at her house. So, of course, I, being the mom, I had to go down there and meet the parents, you know, and find out who they were and if they were okay. I got to talking to the little girl's mother, and it came up in conversation. She said, how are you settling in? And I told her what had happened. She looked at me. She got a little serious, and she said to me, don't be too hard on her. I believe her. I said, what? And then she went on to tell me that all of her children experienced the same thing, that her husband had chased this thing with a with a rifle through the yard. And it went over her back fence back into the woods. So I was, I was thinking, okay, you know, this is a really weird neighborhood. These people are strange. <laughs> I still wasn't buying into this, but you know what? After a while, I'd seen more, I'd heard more, and one night, a friend in m- of mine and I, we were out walking, and we had been hiking through the woods, and we were on our way back, and we heard something following us. We heard the, you know, the crunching and the crashing, of footsteps. We got to a clearing. We turned around, and for the first time in my life, I saw something that I. I never dreamed in a million years, was real, okay? And I got a real good look. We stood there with our mouth open. He stood there just breathing and weaving back and forth, trying to be a tree. And I will never forget that for as long as I live. Well, push comes to shove, time goes by, and the man comes to town who is at the library, and he's advertising for people who have had Bigfoot sightings in Florida. So, well, you know, I'm a criminal investigator. The curiosity's got the best of me. So I go to see this guy. I want to see what he has to say. I get to talking to him. And uh I tell him what happened. And it was really funny because I didn't even tell him where I lived. He pulled out a map and said, let me tell you where you live. And he pointed out my area. And wow. he says, "Got to talking. And he said, well, you know, I talked about paranormal things. He's also a paranormal investigator. He worked with the government. He's worked with a lot of people move on MUFON. And he said, I would really like to, you are the perfect person I need. I want you to work with me on this. You know a lot about it. Because by then I had, I, I learned a lot about the, that creature within my own neighborhood. And, uh. That was, that's where it all started, and we went all over Pasco County from Brooksville, you know, to Perrine Ranch, you name it. We went that's, on so many different cases. This, is this thing is amazing. actually more common than people know.
2: That is really amazing. How many years ago was that?
3: Oh, good Lord. Probably 1992, I want to say, 1991.
2: Wow. So wow. You've, had, you've had the paranormal for 30 years and the cryptozoology for about 15, is that right? Yes, yes. That's incredible. Uh, what cases have you worked on?
3: We've worked on quite a few. In fact, you know what's really funny, Brandi? You, you see stuff on television. You, you see you know Bigfoot hunters on TV, and they've got a lot of information, and they tell you the latest of what they've got and what they know. But there's a lot of things you don't know and you don't get to hear. You know, there are a lot of people out there that study this creature not for the same reason. Personally, I don't, I don't want to see Bigfoot get caught. I don't want to see him be harassed. This is not an aggressive creature. My favorite case uh, that I'd really like to t- talk about, because it's, it's very unknown, and it's probably the only time you'll ever hear about it, was in Hudson, Florida. It, in Hudson, Florida, there's a lot of uh, trailer parks that are right on the wood line, okay? There's a lot of poor people that live out there. And they live out there in the, in the sticks, and nobody really, you know, pays attention. There was a little girl, and she was riding her bicycle down a dirt road on her way home. It was probably about oh four in the afternoon. A man came by in a truck, and he hit this little girl, Mm. and she fell down. And you know, he picked her up. He put her on the side of the road. He threw her bike on the side. He got in the truck, and he left. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, the little girl claims. But first, let me tell you what happened. Her mother came out later on. She was looking for her, and she she heard somebody knocking. She heard something banging on the porch. And it caught her attention, and she said, oh, she's back, what is she up to, you know. She went out there, and there was nobody there, but the little girl was laying on the porch, and her bicycle wasn't there. So the mom saw the little girl, and she was all messed up, and she picked her up. They took her to the hospital. The girl was unconscious. And uh, so when the little girl comes to the hospital, she says to her, what happened? She told her about the truck. She told her about the man. And then she told her a fantastic story. She said, this big hairy man came out of the woods. He picked me up and he carried me home. Now, this happened just two blocks from about where she lived. And he set me down on the porch. Wow. Banged on the, on the there was like a wooden floor on the porch. He banged on the floor and ran away. And the mother's like, R- really? Right. You know, they, they didn't believe this at first. But, you know, a lot of people in this neighborhood had seen this creature before. They'd seen it. Many people had seen it. And they went back to the scene, and they found the bicycle all mangled, and they saw the tracks, and they believed her. You know? That
2: is amazing.
3: He thinks, you know, everybody's afraid of the Bigfoot. It's kind of like, the, like one of the old movies where the monster becomes the hero. And I mean, that just goes to show you many things. Okay, this thing knew this little girl was in trouble, and he knew where she lived. Now, that really boggles the mind. This shows this creature lives around there. He observes, and he knows who belongs where. Mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
2: So the Bigfoot oh, is intelligent. The the
3: Bigfoot can smell gun oil from a distance of about a half a mile. And if a person goes in the woods a hunter and they have guns, so he knows about it. He's not going to come over there and, you know, get himself shot. The Bigfoot's been shot in Florida in uh, Pasco County on three occasions and walked away.
2: Wow. So yeah. they're intelligent, they've got enhanced senses. Are there other oh, yeah. traits belonging to Bigfoot? Oh no!
3: no. Did you hear anything about the chamber, the Bud Chambers case back in the sixties?
2: No, I don't think I have.
3: Okay, Bud Chambers, uh, he lived in uh, Bailey's Bluff in Pasco, which is right by the Anclote River, and the Bigfoot was very active by the Anclote River for for years. Okay, decades and decades. Well, he had orange groves, and I guess he really liked the oranges, so he used to come in there all the time. Well, he had a few encounters with this thing, and he had an ailing mother who was a very old lady and very terrified. And he didn't want this thing coming around because it was really upsetting her. She had seen it. You know, she was sickly. So a few times went by, and finally he got a clear shot, and he shot at this thing. And he claims that he hit it dead in the chest mm. and that it basically just looked down at its chest, looked at him, and walked away. Now, what's really funny, a lot of uh, studies, some people are of the mind that the Bigfoot has a different structure. Than then we do. Some people think of the Bigfoot as an early man, like Gigantopithecus. But there was an ape that had what they call a bony chest plate. Okay, where okay. you know how our chest we have the sternum and then we have the ribs. Uh-huh. Okay, this particular creature, this is a real creature. It's it's archaeological, you know, discovery. He had almost like a solid plate across the sternum that was much wider than our sternum, and it was thick. I mean, that bony plate was over a half an inch thick, very very hard. Uh-huh. And it is some people's theory that the Bigfoot may have that bony chest plate. And that's maybe what saves him from getting, you know, killed with a bullet to the chest.
2: Well, you know, that would make some sense because I've always kind of wondered. He shot on more than one occasion.
3: Right. There was another man who was a caretaker for a ranch in Holiday who shot this thing also. He shot this thing twice. Wow. And it walked away.
2: So and actually that would be an interesting uh, evolutionary tactic because you know yeah. I've always wondered about uh you know if you think about it all of our really important organs are in our torso and our chest that's why we have the ribs but we still have all these spaces I watch CSI and I you know all the bullets and the you know knives go right through them so it would make sense for the bigfoot to actually oh, yeah. to have that evolution and maybe that would be why it survived as long maybe as it has
3: maybe that's why he's still around
2: Absolutely
3: <laughs> maybe that's why we can't kill one
2: i know that in florida there's something called the skunk ape and is that that is a bigfoot is that correct
3: yes you know i have uh, one of my friends he's passed away now he was with me uh, the same friend who was with me the night that we saw the creature at a very close range he was from the everglades he lived in ochopi and he grew up there and his father was a fisherman and well he was an alligator poacher well he told me many stories that happened in fact that's what brought his alligator poaching career to an end because he ran into a skunk ape and he was young, and it scared you know, the life out of him. <laughs> so anyway, but from what I understand from what he told me and from the creature that we saw, the skunk ape in the Everglades is not the same as the one we have up north here. He's shorter. He's more, um, more stooped over. He looks more ape-like. That's the only way I could put it, to you. He looks more ape-like.
2: That's interesting. So we might actually have multiple species here?
3: Oh, yeah, there's multiple, I believe there's multiple species of the Bigfoot all over the country. Uh, They come in all colors, they come in all, uh, what's really interesting was uh, there was one, there was an incident that took place in Bailey's Bluff, and this same creature, several people had reported incidents with the same creature, and they claimed it was silver. Now, Mike Forte, who's studied this all his life, he told me, he said also it had blue eyes, which is very strange, okay, very strange. His take on it was that it was not really a silver Bigfoot with blue eyes. It was an old Bigfoot. with
2: back. Oh, that's interesting. So- yeah. And you know how people get, you know, we
3: get older, we get senile, we act crazy? Mm-hmm. He believes that they do, too. And that's why this creature was actually coming out into, into society and, and messing with people, because he wasn't in his right mind. He was old and senile. Try kind to of believe that. I think that's very possible. Because if they are as closely related to us as we believe they are, I mean, you know, that would be perfectly applicable.
2: That is really amazing. So these are kind of a, perhaps a cousin to humanity then?
3: I really believe they are. Wow. I, I, don't see, I don't see this creature as an ape in any way, shape, or form. They're too intelligent. You know, they show real cognizance in situations. I, I just don't see that. And they're very smart. Look, they've been that... outsmarting us for how long?
2: Yeah, that's true. Us for how long? So are they the missing link, do you think?
3: I don't think so. I don't think they're the missing link at all. I think they're a totally different uh, creature. Mm-hmm. It's really funny, you know, you hear so many people and they say, wow, the skeptics. They say, well, you know, the only people that seem to see Bigfoot are, are camping teenagers and Native Americans. And, you know, I think about that, too. And I'm Native American. They have a lot of, you know, folklore about the Bigfoot. and Native Americans totally believe in the Bigfoot. They don't consider it to be a crypto. They consider it to be another, you know, one of God's creatures, like their brother. And what's funny is the Native Americans have been interacting and living side-by-side with this creature for centuries. And, you know, you talk about ancestral memory. We all have things we pass on to our children. We tell them, don't talk to strangers. Don't get in a stranger's car. If you see with a man with a gun, get out of there. You know, we tell them all these things. Mm -hmm. And I believe that other creatures, they educate their children, too. And I think things are passed down, you know, from generation to generation. And I think the reason the Native Americans see the Bigfoot so often is, number one, they still live in his environment. They still live out in the natural world. Number two, the Bigfoot's been dealing with Native Americans for years. He knows, I think he knows their scent. I think he knows there's no, no threat, no danger.
2: That is wonderful. That very well could be. Teenagers yeah. that are out camping, they're
3: really not a threat either. They usually don't have guns. Their pheromones probably smell like a kid, and, and the Bigfoot says, well, you know, those are just kids.
2: Wow. Well, let's pick up with this topic. We have to go to a commercial break, but uh, let's pick up with this when we get back.
1: Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say, Bigfoot, don't run away.
3: Human?
4: What planet? For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination.
3: I shall take this magazine home with me.
4: Back to your home planet?
3: No, to my condo in Boca.
4: Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world.
0: Will your dog have a bone to pick with you tomorrow? Is your cat planning a hissy fit? Follow the dog star to Pet Life Radio for Lucky Stars. Our weekly pet horoscopes. Whether your retriever's a believer or your Pekingese disagrees, this is the place to find out what the stars hold for your favorite furry friend. So pull up a crystal ball every week with your host, international pet astrologer, and earth, fire, water, and air Dale, Lucky. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. let's talk pets on petliferadio.com
1: did you hear that our commercials have mysteriously disappeared paranormal pets is back with our haunted host our ghost host
2: and we're back and you were saying that big feet or bigfoot I'm not is, is big feet a, an appropriate plural I'm not quite sure what the plural is Bigfoot doesn't sound right. <laughs> but so that Uh, because they interact with nature and that they have these enhanced senses that they interact with people in a different way including Native Americans that have a a different understanding because of course they are very connected to nature. The animistic societies actually and I was thinking that if you look at where Bigfoot is reported there we go. uh, Essentially there is a strong connectedness to the animistic societies out there where nature has a spirit or a soul. So these are individuals who are very heavily observant of nature as a divine force. So of course they're going to see this. You're
3: talking about the name mm-hmm. for Bigfoot? There's a man, I can't remember his name right now, but he wrote a book. It's a very good book. It's called Mysterious Beings. And I got the biggest charge out of it because he refers to the Bigfoot as the abominable swamp slob. <laughs> okay. And that made me laugh because the Bigfoot in Florida lives in the swamp a lot of the time. And the way they travel around without leaving lots of prints and, and get through residential areas without being seen is they usually wade through the rivers. We've learned this in our investigations. There was a river, a very small, small river that runs near the Anquote River. And it runs through a large expanse of property that goes about maybe 25 miles. And what the Bigfoot would do, and we knew this from the tracks, he would go to a cattle, you know, they had like a cattle path across the river. Mm-hmm. And he would go down into the river, which at that time was only maybe four feet deep, five feet. And he would wade through the river. And that's how he would get from one location to the other. Now, this was a wonderful setup because he's not leaving tracks anywhere. He left them, though. He left them as he was going in. (laughs) But after that, you could see the tracks under the water and the way they headed because this is not a real fast-moving water. It's kind of still. Mm -hmm. And we figured out, yeah, that's how he's getting around. That's how they're traveling without being seen.
2: That's fantastic. So intelligent, uh, hypersensitive, Mm -hmm. and uh, possibly different evolution.
3: Yeah, I think that's why they smell so bad, too. You ever smell a wet dog, boy?
2: I tell you. you
3: know, when you're a big hairy guy wading through the river all the time, you're not going to smell so good either.
2: Oh, that's true. And, you know, in Florida, I don't know that they have, uh, I know in primal tribal cultures, there's usually some sort of soap root or something like that. And I don't know what we have here. We have swamp water, which you're right, does not but, uh, smell as yeah. That is amazing. You know,
3: that's another, another interesting thing that ties in with that. Back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, it was another case. Uh There used to be a hangout where teenagers used to go in Bailey's Bluff. They used to call it the moon. Now there's a real fishing pier there, and it's a park now. But back then it wasn't. And uh, it was a lover's lane is what it was. There was a a teenage couple. They were in a car, and uh, they claimed that this giant ape-like thing came out. And they claimed that it, it observed them. It went in front of their car, and they said that it had hair that at times was glowing green in places. Now this was the most ridiculous story that I've ever ever heard because the Bigfoot doesn't glow, it's not green, but guess what? During one of our investigations, Mike Forte and I went out to this pond Mm -hmm. and in Florida, there is an algae that glows in the dark, Uh okay? okay? And it's in this pond and this pond is not even a quarter of a mile from where this thing showed up to those kids. Now, We did some experimenting of our own, and it was summertime, and he waded into the pond. He had pants on, and he came out, and sure enough, the algae was sticking to his pants, and it was glowing.
2: That is amazing. So we can actually have glow-in-the-dark Bigfoot in Florida. Yeah, but it's a
3: perfectly natural thing. Absolutely. is a natural phenomenon, but when you think about it, here's a creature who we know wades through the water and wades (laughs) through the ponds, and here's a thing that has something glowing green on his fur. That's right. There is logical explanation.
2: And it does now, explain we, the smell, because algae, when it, it dries out, really does yeah. kind of reek. Really? Now, are there any, uh, any cases that you're currently working on?
3: Yes, there is. I'm not going to say the location of it, because we don't want a bunch of rednecks with guns running around.
2: <laughs> Understandable.
3: You know. <laughs> but uh, there was a, a couple of incidents. There were a few sightings in a residential area. Now, th- this residential area has woods all around it. OK, it's right. kind of in the middle of Pasco County. That's all I'm going to say. And um, one man, he went out at 430 in the morning. He's a very big man. And uh, he thought his neighbor was playing a joke on him. because Something was tapping on the window. Now There's a tree outside the window could have been a tree branch. So he wants to investigate. But he's convinced it's the neighbor because they play jokes on each other. And uh, he's a diabetic. So he's up at 430 in the morning getting some orange juice because his sugar was not right. So he says, I'm going to catch him. He kept telling him, cut it out. And uh, so he goes outside, and he sees, he hears something in the bushes. Now, there's a lot of kudzu or that uh, wild grapevine in that area. It covers everything, and it gets in these big mounds. So he sees something under the vines, and he thinks it's the neighbor hiding. He figures, oh, he's knocking on the window. Now he ducked down under the vines, so I'll fix him. So he goes over, and there's like a four-foot fence. And he reaches over the fence because the vines are, you know, he's reaching over into the woods now and uh, into the uh, easement of the woods. And he starts pulling the vines away because he wants to, you know, see him and say, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. As he does this, he said something grabbed his arm with two hands, one on the forearm, one on the bicep. He said whatever it was was so strong it almost pulled him over the fence. He weighs 250 pounds. Okay. And he kept fighting to get away. He said he did twist, and he finally did break away from this thing. And he had some serious injuries. I went out, I took pictures of the photographs. He called me, because I, I, I know a friend of his also. And he said, I know exactly who to call. And I took pictures of the injuries, and uh, I was, you could see bruises, like finger-shaped bruises on mm-hmm. this man, too. And the injuries were, were, were where the nails had dug into his skin.
2: So he actually had a direct encounter
3: Oh, yes. And he told me, he said, whatever that was, was the strongest thing I've ever encountered. He says, and those hands were huge, and they felt rough like sandpaper. Wow. So after that, in the same exact area, another woman had come home at 2 in the morning and saw something in her yard. Uh, first, she thought it was a dog because it was down on all fours. Mm-hmm. She has an ornamental pond with very large tilapia fish and koi fish, and it was right by the pond. So she didn't want really to walk in because she was afraid. She thought it was a dog or some kind of wild creature. So she started flashing her headlights for you to chase it away. Mm-hmm. Well, it did. It loped off, and she said loped in a strange way. She got out of the car for and she went to the gate. When she went in the yard, something caught her attention. She looked to her right, and about oh, 40 feet away, next to a hibiscus tree, she saw what she claims was a, a man-sized character over six foot tall. With reddish brown shaggy hair and arms that hung past his knees and that he just stood there and stared at her she said his eyes were glowing red in the dark just like an animal's would when they catch the light okay. he stood there for a minute and then she panicked and she ran in the house
2: wow she then did pretty she, well I think I would have panicked right away
3: oh yeah yeah well she pretty much did she was you know totally yeah. flipped out and of course she got to talking to someone else talked to the other neighbor talked to this man and so she called me too so we're working that case right now. There was also something seen in the road over there, too. Not quite a bear, one of those deals, you know.
2: Right, right. Well, we're down to just a couple of minutes. So what I'd like to do is just see if you have a little bit of advice, uh, maybe a minute's worth, for people who are interested in learning more about cryptozoology. And then uh, I'd like to talk about how people can get in contact with you. So what advice do you have for people who are interested in learning more about the subject?
3: My advice is watch the media. Watch the people who are out there in the field keep up on current discoveries. Don't pay attention to the hype and the fakers like that man who is, you know, the modern-day PT bottom who had the fake Bigfoot body not too long ago. (laughs) And, uh, you know, stay out of the woods. Don't go out looking for Bigfoot. You know, you go looking for trouble, you can find it. You know, he's not bothering us. I think we need to leave him alone.
2: So let Bigfoot find you, in other words. If it's meant to be, you wait for contact cases. You don't go out and... Exactly. We're
3: approaching on his habitat with development more and more every day. He's pretty much, he's got nowhere left to go, Mm -hmm. you know, and it... It really breaks my heart. I, I can't stand it. Wow. You know, it's very, very sad.
2: And if people have cases or if they have questions, how can they contact you? I know that you have a website for uh, Pinellas Pasco Paranormal, which is com, and we'll have that up on the Pet Life, uh Paranormal Pets site. Yeah. How else would you recommend uh, folks to contact you?
3: Well, there's a contact number right on that website. Okay. I also have a MySpace. I can be found on the MySpace. Mm-hmm. And I'm just on quite a few paranormal directories all over the net.
2: Well, with 30 years experience plus the cryptozoology, I can imagine that you are. I mean, you are just an absolutely delightful guest. And I'm just so thankful that you were willing to do the show and uh, that you have this much uh, knowledge and information to impart to our listeners. I just thank you very, very much for being on with me today. And uh, I look forward to our next segment on Ghost Pets, which we'll be doing shortly. Is there anything else that you'd like to add in, in our last minute or so? Well, you
3: know what? If I could, I always say, if I, I, I love the Bigfoot. I want the Bigfoot to be left alone. I've made that clear. I would love to start a campaign to leave, you know, to leave the Bigfoot alone. And I've had this funny notion in my head for a long time. You remember that song? It was a song put out uh, called More Human Than You Men. Right. That's, that's the, the main message. The Bigfoot is more human than you men. He's not out there keeping people. He's not out there doing the things that, you know, some of the members of our rancid humanity do.
2: Well, sometimes I have to say, I think, you know, pets and animals are sometimes more human than we give them credit for, and the Bigfoot just sounds like another example of that. And Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on today. And again, this is Brandi Stark for Paranormal Pets at PetLifeRadio.com. If you would like to find out more information about uh, me or my group, the Spirits of St. Petersburg, please see www.SpiritsofStPetersburg.com. And Lori, your website again is www.PinellasPascoParanormal.com. And they can also find you on MySpace or just try and uh, search for your name, Lori Champion, correct?
3: Yeah, well, if you go into the browser and you put Pinellas Pasco Paranormal, it will come right up.
2: All right, well, thank you so much, and have a wonderful morning.
1: Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected.